welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Light Seekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Light Seekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers, to episode 43 of Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. This week, I'm excited to bring back some of our more frequent guests, Chris and Benny. For those of you who don't know, these are the two guys most responsible for creating the Lightseekers TCG that we all know and love. You can hear us talk more about this process back in episode one when I had them on to launch this podcast. Episodes two and three go into some of their early deck designs. I had them on again a little bit later, a few months later, after the launch of Mythical, the second set, in episode 22. And then we had them on one more time, actually two more times, in episodes 32 and 33, discussing some of their mythical deck designs. So now that we've made it through another set launch, I wanted to bring them back and see what they can tell us about Kindred. As I'm sure you know, Kindred is the third wave of cards that we've received. There's a lot of changes that go on in this set, and I wanted to talk to them about some of them. Then, as you might expect, next week we'll be bringing them back on, or continuing on, with some of their deck ideas based around all the cards in Kindred. As always, the show notes for this episode can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 043. That's deliverycrab.com slash 043. I don't want to hold you up any longer, so let's jump right into the action and see what Chris and Benny have to say about Lightseekers Kindred. A lot has happened since we last had you on the show. Uh, we haven't really had you on since Mythical. So we've not only had the release of Kindred, but we've had the release of the digital TCG or the digital app. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so, you were going to say Nationals, but yeah, I forgot about the app as well. There's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of stuff we can talk about. So uh, the, the, the first one that I really want to touch on, though, I think is the release of Kindred. It's it's a new set. It's a big set. Is, is this kind of a bigger set than average? Do you think that we're going to see going forward, or is this about the right size? No, no. This is so. We're currently the aim is to. And now these plans might change. <laughs> Just to so the disclaimer of the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As always, but the uh, the idea is to try to get a, a big set out every year, and then pepper out a few smaller ones as well. So mythical, for example, was the small set in between the big ones. Okay. And the next uh, next one coming up will be a smaller one as well. Uh, but yeah, Kindred is a unusually large one. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the large one, hopefully we're looking to introduce like a new mechanic and then support that uh, and you know extend the card set with the, uh, the smaller waves afterwards. Okay, that's fair. Th- this is the first time, I mean, obviously we're only three sets in, so it's kind of weird to say first time, but that we've seen the introduction of like new items. Yep. Oh, I, yeah. is that gonna keep happening on a regular basis? Do you think? As far, or, I mean, is that something we'll see going forward, or is that something we'll only see in the in the larger sets? Maybe items will come in when uh, it's not a rule we have that every set will come with items, mm-hmm. and it, it won't. Uh, like, uh, uh, it probably won't be the case either. Like, items are a bit more standout, and. Uh, we don't want, yeah, we want to use them when it makes sense to put in your items, basically. So our Kindred was a good time to put in your items because uh, because of a few different reasons. Like, for example, you have cards, uh, there are more cards that play around items now, like Battleborn Oppressor. There are more 
uh, heroes interact with equipping items or getting more items out mm-hmm. of decks or whatever. So we, we want to have enough variety there so people... So if someone wants to build a deck with items, you don't always have the same thing. And there are a few goals with items that share superior elements and basic elements because of Battleborn Oppressor and things like that. So in this case, it was to stabilize the item pool a bit, I suppose, okay. uh, as, as well as bring in some new exciting things, obviously. Yeah. And not just sexy. Finally, someone else can use... Some other heroes can use the multiple <laughs> item slots on the playmat, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. In, in, in your experience, in your, your playing, this is something I've always kind of wondered. When, when a hero is able to carry an extra item, do you see, or do, maybe even you personally, you actually use like three items with one point each, or is that that extra point usually used for a two point item? Uh, so with Lexi, I tended to go with three one-point items but now that there are a lot more two-handers so to speak mm-hmm. i'm building up like uh, a lot of the new items like uh, eagle beak bow and something dusk cleaver yeah i have it in this deck here actually uh, yes dusk cleaver. Dusk cleaver. yeah uh, so uh, cards like that uh, that are a reliable source for potential damage if you need it for example if you need to slow down the pace of drawing or if you need to trickle down someone who's just trying to stay alive those kind of items are great, and because they're superior elements, they're protected from Battleborn Oppressor. So now with, now with Kindred, I tend to go more often go one two-pointer and a single one-pointer. Mm, yeah, um, Battleborn Oppressor is but the it, Benny. Yeah, it obviously depends a bit <laughs> on exactly what you're playing, but... Uh, sure. Uh, but yeah, I do so a lot more often now than I did with Lexi. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. As we go forward and get get these sets re- more regularly, and you know, big set, small set, all the, 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 and now with the digital app too, there's just so many things going on over there. I can I can only imagine how busy you guys are. And so I have to wonder: Are I, I'm pretty sure with the first at least two sets, the two of you did a lot of the the designing, whether it be you know giving suggestions for the card art or if it's just the the text of the cards themselves to make sure it all works together but as we're moving forward and as there's so many more things going on are the two of you still kind of the ones in charge of that or are more people getting involved uh no it's, it's, it's just it's, us yeah, yeah. jacob's chipping in as well yeah yeah the, the team has not got any bigger <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean wave three uh like in terms of when we made wave three cards that's that's quite a while back still yeah. so sure. uh the Moses was done. Like uh, when Jacob started, actually, one of the very first things we asked him to do was help us play test some of Way Three. And we've done it. Uh, so the, the card, yeah, it, the yeah. card already existed, and he came in uh, towards the end of the playtesting stage uh, back last year. We obviously started it back up again come uh, spring, just before we went to print to mm-hmm. find, uh, and also in response to mystical feedback and so on. So we made some changes there, mm-hmm. and he's been uh, quite heavily involved in the, uh, the latter end. But otherwise, yeah, it's just. Just been me and Chris. Uh, now with Jacob here as well, the three of us can help uh, to lighten the load a little bit. But when it comes to when it comes to what we do, it just it just become more stuff to do. Obviously, yeah. like we still make the cards, we still play test the cards. Uh, we now also do everything in the digital app, so all design work there in terms of uh, features and content. Yeah, and, and any yeah, features and contents, uh, uh, any financial loops, uh, progression, and so on. We do that as well. So there's uh, there's obviously a lot going on there. Uh, so it's. I think there's a nice bit of crossover as well, like um, because now we have the digital app as well. We can actually start testing like way four cards and stuff when we make them in the digital. We could start in the digital app as well, just hopefully speed up the process because we don't require the physical to test as much. Sure. So hopefully 
bit of leeway in the future there, but um, time yeah. will tell. We haven't actually tried that yet. Yeah, not yet. But, but um, we're still we're still printing like locally printing like way four cards to test. But like hopefully <laughs> the fact we can make them in a computer now and test them in the app, like you know in the office at least, might speed it up. But I mean, yeah, it also means we can play like, like online and so on. Ideally, so we can essentially yeah. play from home with each other and so on. Exactly. Uh, but that's. Uh, it's wishful thinking already. <laughs> it's, it's, it's already blue sky thinking there, but that's what we're hoping it will eventually yeah. lead to. That it will, like the digital app currently just means we have a lot more to do. Yeah. Uh, but we're hoping that it will also help the process in terms of like testing going forward. Yeah, um, I, that, that makes a lot of sense, and that, that's something I was kind of wondering too. It's like uh, w- with the digital app being there, like you you obviously understand all the different interactions between the cards going into it and kind of when you're designing it you're thinking about well how is this going to affect the other cards that we already have but when you get into the the digital version of that are there challenges involved that you you didn't think of then oh yeah (laughs) uh yeah so obviously like we had, we always had in mind that we wanted to make a digital version, but we never limited what we wanted to do with the cards <laughs> in a, anticipation for limited. The only thing we did from like ground up design work was you don't take actions during someone else's turn. You always, yep. if you no need to, drop. if you make a decision on someone else's turn, that was always led by them or something triggered that there's nothing, there's no waiting and asking basically. Sure. And that, that's always been a, a core part of the design for the game. So no interruptions. Uh, so that digital can, uh, more easily handle that. But when it comes to exactly how cards play out and so on, like there are a few cards in the set, like mostly it's been pretty good. We have, so the guy who was doing all the coding for Wave 1 and 2, uh, Gibby, one of our programmers, uh, he's just dove into all the nitty gritty in terms of the learning the exact execution of cards and so on, things that we normally run through with people. Uh, like what happens if I do this, which triggers that, which then puts this into limbo and yep. which card and play at what time and which order there does everything triggering. Like that's been a bit of a headache going back and forth, making sure that all that works as it should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then, and now we've got, uh, uh, Fred, another developer who's also helping out with some of those effects. So there are two people now helping out with effects in the game. Yay, extra person. <laughs> uh, but, uh, every, yeah, every now and then they'll, they'll, uh, should we say use colorful language and like, yeah. why does antimatter field exist? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I mean, flipping yeah. the deck upside down in physical is like, yep, turn it upside down, done. Whereas digital is like, oh yeah, all the animations need to start upside down now, and you yeah. can inspect the card and shuffling is a thing. Yeah, and... so basically every animation <laughs> in the game had to be duplicated because there's one card. Yeah, uh, there's also cards like Grimus. <laughs> they hate Grimus. Yeah, so Gibby, absolutely, especially Gibby has a deal with him. Like, has spent so many days <laughs> just on Grimus. Yeah, is every time something deals with removing buffs or. Poison buffs. It's oh, like, yeah, check yeah. Grimus. Oh, yeah, there's again. so much bespoke stuff of Grimus everywhere. <laughs> uh, and one of the more recent ones was actually like a lot of a lot more work than we anticipated was Celestial Spellbreaker. Mm. So that's a card. Uh, it's, it's one of the new solar cards. I want to say uh, yes. Which is everybody draws a card face up. Uh, if that card shares an element with your last discarded card, then you take five damage. Uh, and then afterwards, everyone discards the drawn card. Now. Playing that out is mostly mostly quite straightforward, but obviously what happens like when we started actually testing this in the app, so cool, I'm playing Celestial Spellbreaker, the one card I draw is the Econ Archaeologist. The Econ Archaeologist restarts a Colossi Cannon because I got into Explosives, <laughs> which goes back to the first card, the one damage to me, and I also got into Soul with Solar War in place. Solar War in play draws a different card. Now, Celestial Spellbreaker needs to remember which of these cards it drew. Right one, yeah. And then... 
And then I take five damage, which means that Solar War draws another card for me. So now three <laughs> and then somehow, now this doesn't exist at the moment, but if it ever existed where another sequence of events made me put a card back into my deck, then the card I drew with Celestian Spellbreak, it might no longer be my hand even. Mm. So now it needs to be discarded from somewhere else. And it's all those kind of what-if interactions, because it's not just make sure they work now, it's making sure they are future-proof as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like some of these, like obviously... I mean, we can quite happily admit that we were hoping to obviously have Kindred out sooner than we, than we unfortunately do. Yeah. But these kind of cards are cropping up that you started eating up days and days on individual cards. That was a bit because Celestial Spellbreaker felt like an easy card just making it physically. Yeah. But then all the little side effects of, yeah, what happens if it's gone back into the deck and now you need to have a way to discard from the deck itself and find that card again and make sure it's the right one and so on. Those kind of things make it complicated. Yeah, yeah <laughs> complicated. And then obviously somewhere there's grimace. <laughs> goes wrong yeah. <laughs> but like uh, i imagine that going forward and uh, we will discuss some of the potential <laughs> designs a bit more with the with at least one or two coders yeah but yeah like that's more a case of we've got, we've got make we can, weak interesting yeah right? exactly like it's but those discussions it's not going to be a case of necessarily limiting exactly what we want to do it's more a case of we have two ideas here we do this or this if we come to a crossroads where we kind of just can't decide exactly what to do with the card then it might be that all right which was easier to implement let's go with that sure uh, like it's a good tiebreaker but we we don't want to limit the designs based on what we can code at the moment mm-hmm. so we'll probably keep angering the programmers yep all right that, that that's that's kind of exciting to hear that little behind the scenes there it's i i th- th- there are a lot of things that i never even thought of how that would happen digitally and I, I I can only imagine how much work yeah. you guys are putting so, in back there. Yes, I mean one of the things that's actually really good about the impl- implementation that unfortunately players don't really see is that it's not like they take a code a card and code it. We created a system where we can piece effects together, and we have we can make some very complicated complicated things by taking existing effects and lumping them together with different triggers and flags and so on. Uh, so a lot of this is driven by us, uh, but obviously it means that all the code needs to handle those uh, yeah. triggers appropriately. It would be an easier thing to do if a program just implemented each card by itself. Then, but then it's also a lot harder for us to adjust it. Uh, and going forward, it just means that we're eating up more time in the future. Yeah. So we have a better base for it now than we otherwise would have. Uh, but unfortunately, that was, makes it take a bit longer. And, and that's kind of what I figured was happening right now is like, yeah, I, I, I've, I heard some things about like, I mean, cards that you already created now in Kindred didn't necessarily play well with the first two sets. And so you kind of had to go back and almost rewrite the entire app. The first uh, yes. Yeah, so there are some cards that have changed drastically. For example, like how lock the founder is another good example of a, <laughs> oh, <right>. of a <laughs> error card for programmers because uh, until well, how lock the founder, the game, the game start, you already had a hand of cards each. Cool. Now the players are playing the game, but also this one card comes in that, needs to rewrite the front of the game, like how a game even begins. Yeah. And there have been some cards that meant that the play a card trigger that just deals with the act of playing a card had to be rewritten. And that obviously has big implications everywhere. And introducing families as a new thing that can be attached to almost any effect. Damage reduction that, from attacks. Uh, yeah, that from attack was yeah, a big, uh, big one as well. Yeah, because uh, there was something that just couldn't happen before. Uh, like... Uh, until wave three, no card said reduce damage received from attacks specifically. So the way that damage from, like, especially damage from heroes was dealt with was kind of just a... It's an aggressive it, attack damage. Yeah, it, sort we of don't thing, have to yeah. worry about it. So nothing's been set up for that. Mm. But uh, 
so one of the issues we had was also cards like Cora, uh, would uh, Cora and Amsey and so on would trigger Shield Wall, Shield Wall yeah. and uh, Steadfast Beacons and so on uh, because of the the way that the damage flow itself was implemented. So get around that, you didn't need to change uh, the core thing that yeah, had been touched. Yeah, the yeah. core thing and how damage is dealt in the game, yeah. which is obviously quite a big part of the game. And every time something's rewritten, it means that anything else could break. I mean, we had so many weird breaks, like, for example, the Ancient uh, stopped picking up action cards, but did pick up combo cards and so on. Um, and yeah, there were just all kinds of things that started behaving weirdly with, with already existing cards. That's also why we couldn't do anything like push out a play test of Wave 3 cards while still playing one in Wave 1 and 2 mm-hmm. normally, because Wave 1 and 2 are also affected by this. Uh, everything's been, to some extent, rewritten or modified. Sure. You mentioned the families briefly, and that's the big mechanic change in in uh, Kindred here. Could you give me a brief description of what the families are and what that mechanic does for the game? Uh, yeah. A bunch of the action cards, not all of them, are now associated with a family. A family is basically what type of thing the card is. So we have beasts, we have locations, we have uh, elementals and... Uh, Robots, machines, uh, etc. There are 10 different families. So Umbron, Kribble, Chimchu. Uh, we've chosen not to go with any of the major races. So our Tyrax, Evrock, Oakthorn, mm-hmm. are not part of families because they are so widely used on card art that mm-hmm. we, d- we, yeah, we don't want to... Yeah, Things that are really flexible in art, we don't want to restrict to only exist on certain cards. So we've avoided the, the big races. Sure. But all the side races are represented. It basically opens up an avenue for having cards that interact more specifically with these families of cards. Uh, so you can now have effects that benefit only elemental cards or only beasts. And you can also have cards that trigger from playing those kind of cards or searching for them specifically. So it opens up uh, more ways to play within an order that you're saying, I'm playing Astral, so which Solar, Lunar, and Gravity cards I want to take along. Uh, you can also think about building niche around Chimchu or Beasts, for example, to basically go into deck building with a different mindset. And we want, like, the ultimate goal here is to create more variation with every single order, yeah. uh, more options for how you want to approach uh, deck building, and also opens up some room, uh, more room for that for interesting archetypes and so on. Uh, so families are, they don't change how you play the game at all. Like, that's one of the objectives with this was we didn't want to make it, yeah. yeah, we don't want to make the game more complicated. We want to, in the same way that you could previously say, if this is a solar card, do meh. You can now say, if this is a beast card, do this. So it opens up more variables to play with. And and also families tend to be, or some of them at least, are associated with different types of behaviors. So, for example, we have, uh, like, Chimchu, for example, we know in going into Chimchu, it's a bit of a utility family. Sure. Uh, they don't specialize in, like, raw damage output, for example. They tend to be, there are, well, there are some, like Chimchu Militant, obviously, there are a lot more that provide support in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're looking at uh, things like uh, uh, beasts, it's an, uh, one where we know that creatures of beast types are very wary throughout the game, so we need to be careful when making cards with beasts specifically, whereas something like robots, we can go a lot more bespoke for and kind of carve out a niche for how do we want these to behave in decks? What kind of decks should carry these families? Yeah, there's a lot that can go into that. And, well, I, I would agree that a lot of the family choices were easy. Like th- th- there's, I mean, there's some cars you look at and like, that is a beast. And yeah. So it has a beast on it, but some are, are, are can kind of float between two families. And I kind of wondered, you know, how you made some of those decisions. And like one in particular that has brought, been brought up to me multiple times 
is within the abyss suite, like you have abyss shade and abyss tentacle are both elementals, but then the abyss hoarder is undead. So yeah, so they so this com- this comes back to lore behind the cards quite often. So uh, in the case of the abyss suite, um, abyss tentacle, abyss weaver, and abyss shade are all creatures that are born from the abyss. Okay. Uh, they're creatures that live within the abyss. They're elemental creatures born from the core of the planet. So the rift is the abyss here. Uh, so the rift and Tantos is this big scar across the planet, which goes all the way down to the planet's core, where magic is emanating out. Uh, whereas the abyss hoarder is an undead creature that goes into the abyss, collecting the treasures of the rift, basically. So it's not blatantly obvious by just looking at the picture of the card. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the elementals uh, are actually... In- creatures born within the rift and the abyss hoarder is this undead ghost effectively that's that has gone into the rift to claim power effectively in this case distribute the power to the player because he likes people using abilities for whatever reason <laughs> he loves them. so I, I, I that answer right there i i just absolutely loved it it's not something i was expecting but it doesn't surprise me that it all comes back to the lore of the world yeah, so it's uh, like, for example, also like the elementals are the ones with, if you have a shadow up in play, do this, whereas the undead doesn't have that. It's not a differentiator between those. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Abyss Tentacle deals two damage if you have shadow up in play. Uh, Abyss Weaver heals you, and Abyss Shade it draws a card. Obviously, I like your answer, why, it, why things are the way they are. But my first thought was just like, well, if you, if you lump them all together, does it become way too powerful? Uh, sometimes that's also the case. Like, that's, uh, that's a thing that we need to be more wary of in design. Uh, mm-hmm. What we started being wary of with Wave 2 when we knew we wanted to make this the, the Kindred expansion. Uh, so that's, for example, why uh, Beasts is, has been a bit of a... I think that's the, been the biggest uh, just design challenge in making things that trigger off Beasts not too generous in their effects because Beasts are going to be very prominent and they can, they're going to come in a lot of different flavors in terms of like... They might be defensive, aggressive, utility-based, like this. Like you have Thunder Slugs and uh, Crystal Leeches of Beast, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there are, there's a wide variety of things that can Across be Across all of the orders. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's certainly something that we are being more careful about in terms of making sure that a certain family is not too overpowered in that regard. And it also comes now a lot to looking at, uh, um, for example, uh, Vortex Planes is a card that uh, does uh, one, two, three damage increase for elementals. So we probably can't make too many elemental cards within, say, Storm that can benefit off of sequential damaging corners because of that, because then it's really easy to capitalize on multiplying that effect up. And also being careful with what other elements have those kind of things. So I mean, knowingly, we have a Putrid Infestation in Poison, for example, which is an elemental <laughs> that does 3-1-1-1 damage, which is a great card to go alongside Vortex Planes. So we can also utilize these families to try to create some like attractive cross-order builds that <laughs> previously weren't necessarily there. Like not that many people would go from Storm into Poison, for example. Maybe Swamp Peddler Nishi, but but uh, yeah. So there's also an opportunity for us to try to create a few interesting angles to look at cross-order, which you wouldn't do previously. Fair enough. I heard you in your uh, explanation before mention the Rift. And that's something I, I I've never gone too deep into the lore of of Lightseekers here, but I didn't know that was an actual thing. But that reminded me of the rift packs that we have coming out sometime. Do we have any more details on those? Do we know like how many cards are going to come in a pack or when they might be coming? 
How much will this have been allowed to talk about? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, Jacob has gone home ill, so he'd be the person who handles the the public-facing aspects of this. We probably can't say too much, because I don't know what, except what he wants us to say here. Uh, we know... <laughs> what does the public know about Rich Packs Frank I now? I don't know. Would you, yeah, tell us what you know. We, we, uh, we know that they're coming. They include items. That's correct. Yep, yep. We can confirm that. Blacksmith and Weapon Master. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. We can talk about that. Uh, are, are, are the Blacksmith and Weapon Master going to be in, like, every pack then, or just randomly inserted? I think we settled on... Uh, I can't remember the odds for this. Randomly inserted. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. They're the quite board. generous. Though, aren't yeah, I don't. I don't know the exact sure. proportion. But, but basically, one thing we're aiming to do is, uh, given the print run of Kindred, how many blacksmiths and uh, weapon masters were going to be printed, and then we can basically make up for that quantity within rift packs. So that's, we're not going to make more or less than would have been in the world otherwise. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, I do want to say about the, those, you know, those two items. I think we can say that the, the unreleased ones. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Sorry, there are, yeah, there are, there are some new items. The ones that didn't get released, um, some for, of them at least. Yeah, yeah, for the um, Yakona and like uh, Oakthorn ones. Obviously, we got as far as Cyrus and Boulder on the physical front, so mm-hmm. and nature are lagging behind. But those ones will be introduced as well in the rift packs. So I'm excited for those because uh, yeah. not necessarily cool. with the same effects. Yes, yeah, you might have seen some previous effects, but we've uh, reevaluated some of that um, for the rift packs. But they're still. Uh, yeah, nice items to get you hold of, get hold of, and obviously new stuff. Yeah, is, yeah, uh, it, it'll it'll be good to see that we'll we'll have more options for those orders now. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, pre- yeah, I mean uh, before Kinder came out, if you want to play with Astral or uh, Nature Cross orders, you had to go to blank items. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although we try to always make up for that now with Battleborn Oppressor, for example. Yep. So blank items aren't all bad anymore. Great. <laughs> Superior has value. But yeah, I mean, swinging back to your initial point there about the rift, obviously. Um, I think we might have spoken about this before, but we have like a an insane amount of lore and timeline and history to the world of Tantos, the races of Tantos, and uh, this is something we are going to be leaning on more going forward. Like we want to bring the story uh, more, not I want to say the forefront, but we want to bring it forward more so people are aware that it's not just images on the card. Like like, like Benny just covered there, we can ground you know most, if not all, of the cards uh, somewhere in the world and what they're doing, who owns them, who runs them what this machine is doing, who invented this machine, that sort of thing, as well as the larger backstory. And um, we do want to try and start capitalising on that more by actually telling these stories and, and relating these cards to, to some of this stuff. And also, going forward, have like a cohesive storyline that the players can get involved in. I mean, sort of want to go further on how we want to plan this, but um, we, we... I'm not going to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the story will appear more. So people are, you know, they, they know the world they're playing in. Like, you know... This time next year, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know all about the Rift. <laughs> Love that Rift. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, uh, yeah, future expansions will be centered more around story-focal points, basically. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, we can also use, obviously, another digital app, which can be updated a bit more frequently. We can also bring some of the stuff to the forefront there as well. And, obviously, this will be reflected in the physical cards as well. We'd like to, um, yeah, it's not that the story will be told through the site, through the digital app as well, but... Um, you know, they'll be grounded around some of the characters in the stories will appear on physical cards. So at the time, you know, while we're going through the story, you can, you know, open a boost fan and be like, oh yeah, I know who this person is already because I've read the story on the site or, you know, played something in the app to do with it. Um, yeah. Sort of thing. And also like, yes, so place names and so on. Like the places that we mentioned in cards, like uh, uh, Telesta, Celestia, Exterior, Interior, everything's a bit of A for us, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> Uh, Overlook, oh, maybe, uh, Overlook, Mossridge, yeah. and so on. Like all those things are places that we have quite a lot of lore for. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so we want uh, make people be a bit more aware of where these things are located in the world, and so on. Make it feel a bit more homely, I suppose. 
So when you see exterior defender, you know what exterior is about. You know, it's oh, that's the outside part of the capital city for the Everrock up in Steadfast Peaks. Steadfast Peaks, yeah. And unfortunately, that's where we had to cut it off for this week. To be perfectly honest, that conversation ended up going in a completely different direction than I had anticipated when we started. But I think that we got a lot of good information there, especially for those of you who enjoy the lore behind the game. I had a limited amount of time with Chris and Benny this week, so I wanted to move on to our next topic, which included talking about different kindred deck ideas that they've been working with. So be sure to tune in next week when we discuss what kindred decks they've been playing with. And in the meantime, if you're looking for a place to play with your kindred decks, then I hope you'll head over to DeliveryCrab.com slash tournaments. We've recently added a few new dates to our tournament schedule. Hopefully one of them is nearby you. But even if they're not, don't worry because we have more tournaments in the works. The show notes for this episode can be found at DeliveryCrab.com slash 043. It's DeliveryCrab.com slash 043. But I think that's all we got for now. So until next week, got some more deliveries to make.